Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Tonight we're going to look at four of my favorite verses in the Bible. I have a lot of them, but these four are up towards the top. And it's Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. But before we get to that, let's have a prayer together. Would you please pray with me? Gracious God, we give you thanks this night that you are near to us. You are not a God who is far away. The evil one keeps threatening us that we are alone, that we are troubled, that we are burdened, and that we need to fix it all of ourselves. Lord, remind us once again that this is not true. Remind us, Lord, that we can bring everything to you and we can do it cheerfully because you've invited us to bring all of our worries and cares and concerns to you. Father, take away our anxiety this night and replace it with your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before I get started, my, my four-year-old son, Max, really, really, really wanted me to tell you a story about him and Thanksgiving. So I just, I have to do it to honor him. He's, he's sitting here tonight. When he was two at Thanksgiving, it was Thanksgiving morning and the, and the raw turkey was sitting up on the counter and it was not cooked yet. And he said to me, Dad, is that the turkey? And I said, yes, it is. And he said, I can see its eyes. It's looking at me. And I said, buddy, it, well, I, tr I tried not to tell him it didn't have a head and it didn't have its eyes. But, you know, he was only two. I didn't want to scare him. And so we cooked the turkey. And then after cooking the turkey and, and getting ready, we sat down and I cut him his, his turkey and put it on his plate. And he said, Dad, is this, is this the turkey? And I said, it is the turkey, son. He said, I can't eat it. I can hear it saying, gobble, gobble. And, and so he didn't, he didn't eat the turkey. We couldn't convince him to eat the turkey. But the next day, when we were having our leftover turkey, I gave him the turkey. And he said, Dad, is this the turkey? And I said, no, it's meat. And then he was fine. So he ate the, he ate the meat. He had no problem with it after, after that. You know, Thanksgiving is one of these, one of these opportunities where we have to, to enjoy great food, great fellowship, great, great friends and family. And, and my memories as a child of Thanksgiving were, at least, at least in the way I remember it now, are, are these memories of pure joy. Uh, oftentimes at Thanksgiving time, my, I, I, my, my family, we didn't grow up around family. And so at Thanksgiving, my dad's parents, who are now with the Lord, would always come visit my grandpa Gus and my grandma Vi. And grandpa Gus was a joke teller. And so we would listen to him tell the same jokes over and over. And in Minnesota, he would tell uh, uh, Sven and Oli jokes. Uh, those, are, those are the Minnesota jokes, uh, like Ano and Toivo, but it's Sven and Oli. And my, uh, my grandma Vi made the best strawberry jello. Oh, so good. Great memories of, of joy. Uh, but as I've gotten older uh, and, uh, and, and lived a little bit more life, I'm, I'm realizing uh, that that's not the reality for everybody at Thanksgiving time and not necessarily the reality of our lives in general. It's not always fun, joyous in that sort of happy terms. But tonight we're going to look at these words from the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 and, and kind of wrap our minds around what Paul means by rejoicing in the Lord and when we can do that. And so I want to look at these kind of just, just verse by verse with you tonight. 
And so here we have it, and you can follow along in your bulletin if you'd like, uh, but we're, gonna, we're just going to look at these first four verses of Philippians chapter 4. But Paul starts with these words, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. In the Greek language in which this is written, those are, those are command words. Rejoice. It's a, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It literally is a, a command. Rejoice. When? How often? Always. And, and Paul was not content just to say that. He, he then says, again, if you didn't hear me the first time, let me tell you again, I say to you, rejoice. Rejoice is one of those, um, I feel like it's one of those church words, though. Uh, we, we say rejoice a lot in, in the church. We read it in the Bible. But I don't think in general people talk about rejoicing on a daily basis. Uh, there are some other words that I think we could use. You know, people might say, you could translate this to say something like, uh, like be glad, uh, be glad, be, uh, be cheerful. You might want to even say, uh, be happy, or frankly, even give thanks, right? Always, always, always. And, and it's not just on your own. It's not Hey, just pull yourself up, put a smile on your face, deal with your situation, and be happy. It is what? Rejoice where? In the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Always, again, I say to you, rejoice. And we can do this. We can do this when we know who God is, when we know that God is our creator, that he is our preserver, that he is our savior God gave up his son. He gave up his very life that we can have the forgiveness of sins now and eternal life forever. Therefore, we can rejoice in him. Paul goes on to say, let your reasonableness, or, or you might translate that and say your, your gentleness, your kindness, let it, let it be known to everyone. Or you could say it different. Hey, don't be a jerk. <laughs> you know, don't, be, don't, don't complain. You don't need to grumble. You don't need to talk poorly about other people. Remember who you are. Remember who God is. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. For this is the reality. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. Our God is not a distant God. I don't know how you view God or how you picture God. Sometimes when I was a kid, I pictured God as you know, this, this big uh, guy, grandpa-like figure sitting on his throne up in heaven just waiting for me to mess up. That's not who God is. Our God is near to us. Our God is close to us. Our God is Emmanuel. Our God is with us. The Lord is near, my friends. The Lord is at hand. Therefore, here's where I want to zero in tonight. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. If God is truly near to you, there is really no reason for anxiety. How about you, though? You ever get anxious, stressed, worried? Did you check your turkey yet? Did you remember to take it out of the freezer? Is it thawed? Now some of you are freaking out, right? Is, do you ever get anxious? You're probably not human if you don't. <laughs> the American uh, Psychiatric Association, uh, they do a national poll every year where they, where they poll people on their anxiety levels. 
And this year, in the year of 2018, it was found that every single American, uh, the majority of Americans, I should say, the majority of Americans are more anxious this year than they were last year at the same time. When they, when they did a, a poll, it, it was across nationality, across age groups, across location where you live, across socioeconomic background, in every single category, in, in, in all those areas of demographics, and these five categories of health, safety, finances, relationships, and politics, Americans are more anxious this year at this time than they were last year. It's one study. What about your reality? Are you feeling more anxious right now than you did at this time last year? Let me remind you, as Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. But why is it that anxiety comes our way from a Christian perspective? I know in my own human experience, when I feel the most anxious, it is at the times where I feel as though I am the only one with my problem, and I am the only one that can fix my problem. And therefore, I often feel like I'm pinned in a corner that I got myself into, and I'm the only one that can get myself out of it. What a sneaky, crafty enemy we have in Satan. This is what he does best, is to separate us from other people, to drive us into a corner of isolation, and to get us to think that we are our only chance of getting out. That, for me, is where anxiety kicks in the most. But Paul is saying, do not be anxious about anything. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. He is with you right there in that, in that stress, in that worry. Whatever that fear is, God is with you. But there are a lot of Americans, a lot of people in general, who do not know about this God who is near to them, and they are, in fact, trying to get themselves out of the corner all by themselves. And if that's your solution, oftentimes you'll just drive deeper and deeper into anxiety and perhaps even further depression itself. Paul says do not be anxious about anything. But he goes on, instead... In everything, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, which is just another word for prayer, with thanksgiving, and the Greek word there is the word Eucharist. Maybe you've heard that word before. Sometimes churches call what we're about to have, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. Let your thanksgivings be made known to God. Let your requests be made known to God. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Through your prayers, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. See, if this is the case, my friends, if it's true that God is really near to us, we do not need to be anxious about anything because we can give our everything to him. It means, it means that if we give everything to God, it means our anxiety to, and our anxiety goes to the cross, and our anxiety dies with Christ on the cross. And if anxiety goes away, if Christ is willing to take all of that, do you know what he replaces it with? These fine, beautiful words. The peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Is that good news to you? That's good news to me. I, 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 out of all the things that I ask God for in this life, it is peace. It is peace. It is peace in God Almighty. This Thanksgiving, just like all Thanksgivings, I, I personally pause and give God thanks for all the simple things. I thank God for my family. I thank Him for my house. I, I thank Him for my car that hardly works anymore. You know, I thank God for all of these things. But above it all, what more do we have to give Him thanks for than a peace that goes beyond human understanding? that keeps our hearts and our minds guarded in Jesus Christ. This is what I pray for with people when they're going through difficult situations. This is what I pray for people when their marriages are struggling. This is what I pray for people when they are sick in the hospital. This is what I pray for people on their deathbeds. I pray, God Almighty, Replace any pain in this room, in this life, with your peace. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. My dear friends in Christ, this is my thanksgiving prayer for you that the peace of God, which goes beyond human understanding, will keep and guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That any anxiety that you have today, tomorrow, or any day, that it would be replaced with his everlasting peace. This is my thanksgiving prayer for you. So let us close in this prayer together. Let's pray. Father Almighty, Thank you again for your presence. Thank you for your peace. You go above and beyond what we could ever ask or imagine in giving us your very own son to die for us. Thank you, God. Thank you. Please protect us from the attacks of the evil one. Remind us of your presence. Take away our anxiety and replace it with your peace. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.